This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lou Thomas, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. See if my AirPods will work. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you, as always, for making your way here and checking out the series. I do hope you hit that subscribe button while you're here. Uh, I put out three new interviews every single week. New and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists. Discover some new ones at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions. Anywhere you get your podcast from, subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. That's me, I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, talking with Mark Indelicato. He plays Damien in the HBO series Hacks. And we're going to be talking about the uh, second season of the hit show. Uh, discussing literally taking the show on the road as the gang heads across America his character's admiration for Gene Smart's Deborah, and perfecting uh, background comedy within the series. Uh, Mark's also going to talk about the uh, the socio-cultural conversations that come up throughout the episodes and the show's queer representation, as well as working with Laurie Metcalf, who has a plays a character in a few of the episodes too. So let's do it. Season two of Hacks. It's Kyle Meredith with Mark Indelicato. What's up, Kyle? It's great to see you, man, uh, and especially. On such a great show, everybody fell in love with it with the uh, the first season right out of the gates, and now the whole crew's on the road, right? We're going back on the road. Well, we're going on the road for the first time, at least in Damien's experience with Deborah. So, right, should be rich. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what 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 is the setup for this? You know, the, what I wrote down was this feels like a season of a humble quest. Uh, mm -hmm. For just about everybody. I mean, I mean, how would you explain what's going on over the course of this one? Well, I uh, when you when you leave us last season, uh, you see that that Ava sends a very, very revealing and scathing uh, kind of expose about Deborah, um, and Deborah kind of like bombs at her at her show that you know they had been working the whole season to kind of prepare, but. So I, I think that you're you're correct in saying that it's this humble quest, this this uh, this really kind of humbling experience where both Ava and Deborah have been humbled in different ways, but they're obviously intertwined in the sense of um, Deborah ends up suing Ava. <laughs> so 
<laughs> and then on top of that, you know, we're we're on we're on the road. I think that it's also new for everyone involved, every single character. It's new for Damien, it's new for Deborah. Deborah hasn't done this in however many years, decades. I mean, uh, Ava, it's her first time going on tour with Deborah. It's new for Marcus. Uh, you know, we bring uh, someone like the character of Weed, Laurie Metcalf into the fold. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that it's, 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 a humble, it's a humble quest, but it's also a jarring experience for everyone involved. Uh, in different ways, I'm sure. Becomes a nice road trip uh, sort of show, uh, you know, as, as sort of an aside to it all. Like, I like a good road trip movie, so this kind of plays into that as well. Yes, yes. I mean, and also, you know, I, I, I think that uh, there's also kind of comedy in calling it a humble quest when you see Deborah's lodgings on this tour bus. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. Right. <laughs> Everybody but Ava, of course, gets, gets the nice Exactly. Spot. I mean, well, I mean, naturally. Right, naturally. Even you've got the, uh, the nicer spot, uh, at least in comparison right there. So, so yeah. for Damien and, and, and how you're going about this, you know, obviously we're getting to see your character so much more this time around, which is great. Yeah. How you're interacting uh, with, with Deborah, uh, how you're interacting with David too, but uh, but you know, from Damien's point of view, I mean, having to cater to someone like 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 Jean's character with, with Deborah here, you know, she isn't grounded in the same reality. I think a lot of us are grounded in like like when you when you're in that character, like what's I guess what I'm asking is what's going through Damien's mind as far as just having to keep up. Like, is this normal? Is this normal for for Damien's world as well? Well, I think that, you know, I, you can look at it from two different perspectives, right? I mean, I think from one perspective, I'm sure that he could probably be looking at this and be like, this woman is ridiculous. Um, but I don't think that that's the way that he looks at it. I think that, you know, one of the things that I've realized, especially this season with Damien, um, even uttering just one line of like, I don't like comedy. Because one of the things that I was that I was trying to kind of grapple with or or locate last season, but it wasn't really pertinent uh, to the like where Damien fit into last season. It was like, what is it about Deborah that he likes? Is he a fan? Is he does he respect her as a businesswoman? Is it both? Is it just a is it just a job? And I think that what I like landed on this season, and I think that you know, obviously with much help from the writers and, and from Paul Lucci and Jen is that like Damien, Damien's work ethic uh, is, is, you know, his work ethic game is strong. Uh, he cares a lot about his job and doing his job well. And I think that not only is, is that, I think that he respects that and admires that in Deborah. Deborah's a hustler. I think that Damien's kind of mania and uh, dryness and, and uh, you know, just kind of commitment to his job stems directly from his inspiration from Deborah of like the ways in which she's kind of built this empire. So I think that, you know, it was great for me this season to read those lines of like, yeah, I don't like comedy because then it was just like, oh, well then he just respects Deborah as a businesswoman. Um, and uh, and so I think that that's kind of where I stood in like kind of making Damien this season. And it, it's amazing how much character development can be put in one line like that. Yes. You know, yeah. just that as you're as you're saying, I don't like comedy. Like you get so much in, in so little. This whole world opened up to me, really. I mean, I, I, I really didn't um, because I also, you know, 
I could have gone to Paul and Lucia and Jen and asked about it, but I didn't really know at the time, like how to articulate what I was trying to ask. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you have the question in your head, but you like cannot, art like it, you can't put it into words really. Um, so, you know, I think that, yeah, just that one line really changed the entire, my entire view of like what Damien is doing there when I read it. Um, and it lends itself then in, in, you know, subsequent episodes where I felt like, you know, Damien's having a little bit more fun in subsequent episodes. And I think that that stems directly just from, again, from that one line, I don't like comedy when he tells Ava that. And that Ava kind of agrees with his rationale for it, which I also think is hilarious because right. that also lends itself to not only like the character of, of Damien, but it also lends itself to kind of Damien and Ava leveling with each other for the first time. Because up until this point, you're just, up until that scene, you're only really getting that Damien has disdain for this girl. What the fuck is she doing here? Whatever, whatever. Deborah doesn't need her. Or just, or or that Damien just doesn't like her. No one really knows. Um, but, you know, I think that just that scene uh, of Damien and Ava talking, they really do level with each other where he's like, yeah, I don't like comedy. And she's like, you're right. Like, the reason why is kind of right. So I think that that was... Um, you know, really pivotal scene for me just reading this season before we start shooting it. And those moments come along. I mean, uh, uh, later, you know, we find out uh, Damien's the type of person who, uh, who knows Stevie Wonder, but doesn't know some of the most obvious things about Stevie Wonder. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I think, you know, uh, ask me to explain how and why. I don't really think I could give you a- Well, that's comedy, answer. right? That's it's, yeah. it's just, I mean, I just think that it's hilarious. <laughs> Um, but I mean, if you really wanted to analyze it, I mean, I guess it could be that he's just, you know, he's, he's laser focused in on what his world is, I think, very small. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't think that he's, um, you know, I don't think that he's, uh, as cultured, uh, uh, you know, I don't think that he's very cultured. <laughs> I don't think that Damien listens to music. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't think that, I don't think that Damien, like, let alone know about like, like music history. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that Damien has it. Like, if you were like, what's your favorite artist? Like, I don't think that Damien has one. That's, that, that, that's again, says so much about that. Like, because you, like, you you might know that Stevie Wonder exists. You might know that Stevie Wonder, you know, plays a piano. Well, yeah, but he's always just wearing, he's always just wearing sunglasses. That's right. his aesthetic. It's his thing. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned, I think, before in some other interviews that uh, also it's just, Damien's also in this state of panic. Just like yes. a constant state of panic, yeah, and, and always running. Like, and for you, yeah. I'll ask candidly: like, how many miles have you picked up? And like, what's what's the step? You know, listen, uh, step I step. am, I am so, I am so out of shape. So, um, you know, doing when we were shooting the the bit um, with the running, you know, I. Uh, Luckily, you know, Damien is, is in very comfortable clothing, you know, like those penny loafers are real comfortable, you know, they got that nice, you know, foam sole or whatever. So that wasn't difficult. I think that what was more difficult with the physical comedy aspect of Damien this season with the mania is when he's breaking down the, the seamless in the mm -hmm. background of Ava and Deborah talking. And it just said in the script, like Damien breaks down a seamless and Lucia was just kind of like, we want like we're 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 gonna see you like we're gonna position gene and hannah like in between and we're gonna see you so keep struggling with it and um 
And so I really went for it. And in one of the, one of the takes I fell. And um, after uh, we cut, Lucia, I remember came up to me and was like, really sucks because that's super funny and you're gonna have to fall in every single take now, so. And you know, it ended up making it into the show. So like, I, it's all fine. But I think that that was something that was also really fun. Cause I, you know, with Damien, one of the things that I also have like not struggled with, but have been contemplating is like, how do you be in a scene without saying anything? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, like what Damien is doing is, is you know, in the, the background of a scene, but it's totally visible. So how do you pay respect to the scene at hand and not take away from it, but really add to it? And I think that, you know, that kind of breaking down of the seamless scene was something where I kind of was like, oh, this is how you, like do it, you know what I mean? Where it wasn't like he was throwing it up in the air and do, you know, whatever, but it was it was just big enough. And again, that is that sounds directly from uh, guidance from Paul Lucci and Jen. I mean, it's just like incredible. Yeah, the background comedy stuff, like you, I don't, like nothing comes to mind. Like you don't see that very often anymore. It reminds me a lot of like uh, the like eighties style movies would yeah. have a lot of that background comedy going on there. You know yeah. where the that's um it's it's got to be fun to play with i would imagine too that's it was it's super fun to play with and it's super fun to play with especially when you know that you know the the people in charge the powers that be want you to play with it you know i think that in the first season there were a lot more opportunities for me to do exactly that but i was so nervous about shooting the season like the first season just because i was in awe of this kind of cast that I was getting to work with, with, you know, the writers and, and the people, you know, that are involved in the show and making the show. And so I, I don't think that I really kind of took those risks or like acted, you know, in the way that maybe I could have, I, I you know, there were like lost opportunities for me. And so like this season, I really wanted to kind of just for myself, even, you know, um, lean into that and, and, uh, you know, be as present as possible as Damien. Those moments, they do. They, they make so much of an impact. And it's, it's got to be pointed out, of course, the balance that you all are are pulling off here, because it, you do get comedy, but you're doing a lot of important work at the same time. I mean, I, I think about, of course, you can look at uh, Deborah and Ava's relationship, and this is one of the most complicated relationships, I think, that's that's been put on, on screen. Mm -hmm. But I think everybody's having their version of a complicated relationship with each other uh, as you go out. I mean, and, and again, as you said, props to the writers of the show for just doing such an amazing balancing act. How are the conversations before you get into this uh, as you're talking? Because because it feels like uh, tightrope's not the right word. But if, you know, to, to be able to hit that with everybody in such a specific way, I mean, how much prep goes into this? I mean, I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of individual prep that we all do. I think I can speak for everyone in terms of just like, uh, you know, doing their homework before we go to work. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies... Yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice. It affects my mood. It affects everything. 
And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's, there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the, the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A S T E P R O allergy.com. That's A S T E P R O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. But again, I, I really do feel, I, I, I'm sure I sound like a broken record, but I feel like the, the scripts in the story is so, are so incredible and the words are so good that, you know, it really jumps off the page, at least for me, you know, where it's like, you're reading these, these, these scripts and, and, um, and seeing these, these kind of complicated relationships either flourish or deteriorate, or, you know, having really difficult kind of sociocultural conversations. And, um, and it's all really on the page for you. And also on top of that, of it just being good writing, there's a sense of intention there. Like it's not, we're not, I don't think that they're trying to have these conversations or write these conversations into the show um, as a means of checking off any particular box of like, we're going to talk about queerness today. We're going to talk about ageism today. Like, I think that Paul Lucia Jen, the writers, everyone is, are, are truly invested in like, like truly analyzing and, and examining these, these, these stories, these tropes, these stereotypes, um, and doing it in in a in a creative way, and also I think that you know having very difficult conversations in the context of comedy is also I believe makes uh, having difficult conversations or debates more palatable. You know, if you can have them in the context of comedy, I just think that it's harder to have them in the context of comedy because it's hard to make these things funny, which the, they manage to do. And so I think that that's really the, like where I at least see the crux of like, you know, the kind of, I don't know, the subtext of the show. I mean, we're, we're talking about really big things. Yeah, I think you pointed out before, and it, it was sort of one of those little mind explosion moments when it finally, when I realized what I was looking for, because I think you'd said like almost every single character 
is is queer, but no one's <laughs> doing like a coming out story. No. Like these are people living their lives. And I think that might be, you know, one of the, I don't know if I want to say most important, but it feels like one of the most important things that they could have done for the storyline for this because sure it just they. the relation. I don't know if you could talk more about that because it is, it's such an important point of the of the storyline. Well, I think that it's also a test. I mean, you know, what I will say to preface this is like what I'm gonna say is that like you know, the the kind of trauma coming out narratives are important because if we're talking about representation, you know, a lot of uh, queer people's lived experiences are based in trauma um, of being, you know, kicked out of their homes, not accepted, experiencing uh, things like homelessness and, um, uh, you know, and, and so those stories are quite important to tell. I'm not saying that we should eradicate them by any means. Uh, they're they're extremely integral to, you know, representation of the queer experience, right? But I think that there's also, you know, this, this other side of like queer people who are successful and well-adjusted and out and proud and also um, well-read on, you know, the kind of complexities of their identity. And I think that all of that stuff, you know, as a as a, a gay man, you know, I've done a lot of that work like on my own um, and that like things that I hold dear to me uh, that I've done on my own regarding my identity and my, and my queerness. And so I think that the lack of kind of talking about these characters' queerness, unless it's in the context of like Ava and Deborah, like talking about bisexuality, that I think is not necessarily just about queerness. That's about like, uh, you know, intergenerational kind of like dialogue and discourse, which is, I think, the most important thing that, that they've done this season. But I think that, you know, the, the kind of, if you want to call it like silence on, you know, even a, a character like Damien. Damien like isn't, it's not, I don't think it's until like the last episode of this season where Damien mentions going to a gay bar. Like up until, and when I read the script for Damien, it was, it just said Deborah's assistant. He was not meant to, meant to necessarily be queer. I just played him as such. And that was the way that they ended up going. But I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't recall seeing like, you know, we're looking for queer, like he's a queer character. So I think that, you know, that also is a testament to just like how invested um, the entire team has been in like championing queer artists and like queer artistry because some characters that I wouldn't even necessarily consider like Damien, I'll just speak for Damien is like, wasn't necessarily meant to be queer. That wasn't in the script for them. So uh, originally, at least as far as I know. Um, and so that's really, that's really cool. Um, and I think that, yeah, I, I mean, I think that just, just kind of not, it's not even like they're treading lightly. It's just like, these are just well-adjusted people period, who are good at their jobs and they happen to be queer. What's the big deal? It's kind of like, it's the real life. I mean, you know. Right, right. And you mentioned the generational thing too. And that's also been some of the funniest points in there because, uh, you know, one of the points I wrote down was about the, when uh, when uh, when Jean thought, uh, Deborah thought uh, she was a descendant of the pilgrims. And she said she was <laughs> had blood from the pilgrims. And Ava makes a mention real quick. It's like, oh, I don't know that you should like seeing them figure that out about each other in the same way that I do with my parents right. or whoever, yeah. you know, it's I'm really interested to see, you know, how much they learn from each other on this one and, and where they sort yeah. of end up landing by the end of it. 
And they do, you know, I, I mean, I think that I, like, like you said, I mean, I, you know, I'm having these conversations with family members who are not necessarily like who I don't believe to be prejudiced. Like my father is not uh, a bigot, you know, but like asking questions about non-binary people, it's something that's new for him. And so it's something that he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't have the, you know, uh, you know, he didn't like go to a liberal arts college in this day and age and talk about, you know, gender theory, um, you know? And so it's, it's, it's completely foreign to him. And I don't think that, that he should be penalized for that. I think that asking questions and, um, and, and kind of meeting, like meeting them where they're at as a means of like moving them forward, right? So I think that we're so polarized as a, as a society at this point, rightfully so in a lot of ways, but at the same time, there are still spaces and contexts in which we need to be, uh, we need to be a bit more forgiving and a bit more patient as a means of, of really educating people. You know, I think that uh, it's not necessarily my only responsibility just because I'm, I'm queer to educate people on, on the kind of the spectrum of queerness, but why not? I mean, if someone wants to have like a, like a true conversation, like I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not gonna go and like try and talk to a white supremacist about critical race theory, like that's not gonna happen. But if someone is actually willing and able uh, to sit down and is curious um, to have a, a, a civilized and, you know, you know, a conversation, then I'm more than happy to do that. And I think that more people should be you know, uh, willing and able to do that in a, in a, in a civilized manner. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of yelling that's going on these days, again, rightfully so it, for certain things, but if, you know, we can't educate the masses by just screaming and yelling about it, at least the, at least the masses that want to know. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, the fact that you guys are doing this through this lens of, of comedy is such yeah. a great way, a conversation starter uh, to, a, you know, for some people to a lot of degree. Uh, and I get that through all of this. I mean, I think, you know, it's and, and I want to bring up, I, I kind of want to end on some comedy, too, because you mentioned Laurie Metcalf. Uh, I saw Kyle Gass in there, you know, mm -hmm. to have these people around. And, and, you know, and everybody says, oh, it's such a fun environment. Sure. And I, I would imagine it is. But when the cameras go off, they're funny people living in the land of comedians. Does it continue to be sort of in that comedic world, even after when people aren't in character? Sure. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, I think that there's also something to be said about like the generosity of these incredible people. Like, Jean, first and foremost, like Lori Metcalf, Susie Essman, who's on this season as well, like who I'm such a huge fan of. I mean, I grew up watching Lori like on reruns of Roseanne with my mom on a Saturday morning. You know, it's like I, and 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 um, myself and Hannah, you know, we were all of us were, were truly, you know, jazzed about being in the presence of these incredible comedians and, and, and actors. And like, I, I think that they're also at least you know everyone that i've worked with on the show like Lori and susie and and of course you know gene just in general like are so generous with their time and their talent and their experiences and i think and they really they they kind of at least from what i gathered like loved telling us these stories about the you know earlier in their career when they were 
you know, my age or Hannah's age or, you know, they really enjoy that. And again, you know, how could you not enjoy when like someone younger than you is coming up to you genuinely interested about like how you got to where you are and, and truly admire you? Because there was not a day where I was just like, I need to soak up every single second of like sitting next to Lori Metcalf when we're waiting to like for another shot, I need to ask her things. I need to talk to her, you know? And so, and, and so there was a sense of, of just genuine excitement from both sides, like where these amazing guest stars, all of them that have come on to the show this season have come on and just been like, we're so stoked to be here. We loved the first season, but then in turn, all of us are like, you know, the younger castmates are just like, Oh my God, I can't believe that you're here. <laughs> like, this is fucking insane. You know, I mean, like there's a, there's like a still that they sent me of me standing next to, to Lori um, in a scene. And I was just like, this is wild. Like, I can't believe that, you know, that because when you're shooting it, it's just kind of like, go, 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 go. You like, let's just, you know, do this. But upon reflection, it's like, God damn, like I really got to work with Lori Metcalf. That's awesome. You yeah, know, that ain't nothing right there. That's, that's pretty great. It's, yeah. It's, it's incredible. And I mean, I think that like, we all really pinch ourselves every day, you know, getting to just work with Gene because Gene is Gene. But, you know, I, I think that w this season watching Gene and Lori interact with each other on camera, being able to be in some of those scenes is like, it's like watching a masterclass. It's, it's really, it, it just, it taught me a lot. Uh, just, just from, just from observation um, and just from being there in the room. Well, Mark, uh, you know, obvious to say to me, but congratulations uh, <laughs> on, on being a part of this series and with love as well. I know you got another second world going on there, too. And and it's just I mean, having two work families, uh, I guess, yeah. has got to be kind of amazing in itself. But, Very uh, grateful. Yeah. But especially uh, Hack Season 2. It's so good. And I thank love you. getting to see you more on this. So, Mark, thank you so much for taking the awesome. time to talk about thanks, it. Thanks, Kyle. My thanks to Mark and Delicato. Big thanks to you as well for checking out the episode and the series. Hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. Uh, again, uh, three new interviews every single week, new and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org. It's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, mostly on Twitter, occasionally Facebook and Instagram. All three of them at Kyle Meredith. Do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition of Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. My queen. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 